I just want to share briefly from God's Word, uh, looking at two passages, uh, the first in Isaiah 53 and the second in John 1. So we'll just read these to start. So if you have a Bible, you can go to Isaiah 53. If you don't have one, there's some on the back table. You're welcome to grab one of those. Um, Isaiah 53, pretty much in the middle of your Bible. If you hit Psalms, just start heading right, and you'll see Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, and I just want to read verses 1 through 3. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. And then in John chapter 1, John, the fourth book there of the New Testament, John 1 speaks of Jesus as the Word and as the light. And I just want to read John 1, verses 9 through 13. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The great miracle, the key miracle of Christmas is that in some amazing way, the Holy Spirit, the scripture uses the word overshadowed Mary, such that she gave birth to a baby who is as much a human being as any of us, but who, unlike any of us, was actually God himself. We call it the incarnation. It's, it's the union of God and man in the person of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the great mystery and the miracle of Christmas, and it's what the, the key thing that we celebrate this morning. But there's a, another miracle that we can celebrate this morning, and it's, it's the fact that if we call ourselves Christians, it's the fact that we have come to see who Jesus actually is, to see him for who he really is. It's, it's the miracle of having eyes to see past all of the reasons that we would naturally have for rejecting Jesus and instead embrace him as the Savior of our souls and the Lord of our lives. That's a miracle because apart from eyes of faith, um, Jesus would be a lot like this box. This is a, a present that I wrapped. It's not very attractive, is it? I mean, you've seen much more beautiful presents. You may have opened more beautiful presents. I wrapped it in old newspaper that my parents left at my house. And it's, it's not 
if you were picking a present maybe underneath the tree, this might be one of the, the last ones that you picked. It doesn't have a lot of pretty bows and, and things on it. There's, there's other presents that you might be more likely to pick. I'd say Jesus on the outside, not just in his physical appearance, but in, in who he was on this earth when he first showed up, was a lot like this present. From an outside human perspective, he gives us every reason in the world to, to not accept him, but sort of reject him and, and pass over him. He's just like anyone else. So to start with, he, he was a child. That's, that's what Jesus comes as. Of course, we were all children once, and, and children are a blessing, but they're not often viewed as people that can save us. Now, my son, when he plays make-believe, Gwen is super baby. And super baby might be able to save you. But when you think about just a normal baby, not super baby, uh, you don't typically think of a baby being able to save you. In fact, even in the scriptures, the disciples didn't want to let the children come to Jesus. You remember that? They didn't see the children as worth Jesus' time. Jesus could have come as a full-grown human being. Um, he could have come as he one day will, as a conquering king on a horse. But in his first advent, this first coming, he comes as a, as a helpless infant, as a, as a child. And not just a child, but Jesus was a poor child. Jesus wasn't a child that was born in a palace. He was born in the town of Joseph's birth, Bethlehem. But he grew up in, in Nazareth. And he's the, the son of a, a carpenter. Or some even say a stonemason of some kind. But whatever it is, just a manual labor, just a common everyday guy was his dad. His parents, on the night that he was born, refused uh, housing Possibly um, because there was no room, but possibly also because of all of the circumstances surrounding Mary's pregnancy. No one really knew what was going on with that, and she and Joseph hadn't been married, and so they may have been rejected by society at large in some ways because of that. He grows up in this town, and, and Nathan, one of his first followers, when he finds out Jesus is from Nazareth, you remember what he says? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, Nazareth was a town. I don't know what town that is in your mind. I'm not going to pretend. I was born and raised near Cleveland, and Cleveland gets that rap. Can anything good come out of Cleveland? Um, you know, so I'll just make fun of myself instead of some town that maybe you're from. Uh, but that was sort of the, uh, the thought. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So Jesus is a, a poor child. He's a child who's born in, in hardship. He grows up in a, a tiny town. He lives his whole life away from those that are revered in society. In his first years, Jesus is a refugee. Jesus has to flee to Egypt for protection from Herod, maybe living off the charity of others in Egypt for some time with his parents there. So his life began in the manger, and the manger marked him for the rest of his life. An author, Andy Wilson, wrote this, From birth to the end, he never left the trough. Christ walked from insult to insult, from filth to filth. So what was Jesus? He was a child. What kind of a child was he? He was a poor child. Not only that, he was a poor Jewish child. The Jews at that time were under the, the rule of Rome. And while they were God's chosen people, uh, they were not exalted in society at that time. In fact, if you look at history, the Jewish people have always been the object of rejection and, and ridicule and persecution. That's, that's been the, the, the case for history. 
I find it interesting to pause and to remember that Jesus, the one that we follow, is, is not the Caucasian white Jesus with long flowing hair that we normally see. He was Middle Eastern. He was, um, he, he was born and raised as a Jewish child and then a, a Jewish young man in Israel. He probably knew Hebrew, but when he spoke, he spoke Aramaic. He probably even spoke a Galilean dialect of Aramaic. Uh, but Jesus never spoke English his whole life. Okay? Um, when he delivered the Sermon on the Mount, let me play you something. I forgot that I was going to do this, so hopefully I can pull it up for you real quick. This is, this is probably what Jesus, now I think he would have said it with more passion, but when Jesus uh, read the words of the Sermon on the Mount, it would have sounded like this. This is the Sermon on the Mount in Aramaic. That's Jesus. Let's be honest with ourselves. Jesus is not the type of person that we would normally accept as our Savior, as the person that we would follow, as the person that we would give our lives to. Jesus was, was a child. What kind of a child was he? He was a poor child. What else? He was a poor Jewish child who was born in Bethlehem, who grew up in Nazareth, whose whole family was looked down upon. And then he's worshipped by shepherds and, and pagans on the day of his birth, which we exalt in, but, but shepherds would have been rejected by society because of the job that they had, not to mention the smell that they had. Uh, the Eastern Magi would have been rejected by the Jewish people as Gentiles and uh, false worshippers. But the wise, men, the, the wise men didn't come, I don't think, looking for the Messiah. They came because they saw a star. And so what were they looking for? They were looking for a king. There's, there's a, a Jewish king here of some kind. We assume that they were somehow worshippers of God. Now, maybe they became that, but they were just people who looked at the stars and they saw a star, so they came to worship. He was worshipped by shepherds and pagans. His ministry was, was uh, in his ministry, he's followed by fishermen who were looked down on as much as shepherds were. And they probably smelled just as bad as shepherds did too. If you've ever been around fish long enough, imagine what these guys smelled like. And who were his friends? All the outcasts and the sinners, the lame and the, and the lepers, those that are often rejected. And who rejected him? The people that went to church on Christmas Sunday. <laughs> the religious elite, the, 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 the people who were revered in society were the ones that re, were rejected. So if we pause and if we consider who Jesus was on the outside from our sinful perspective, he gives us every reason in the world to reject him. He's, he's not the guy that we would normally follow because of how different he was and, and because of who he was associated with. Because of all that, apart from grace... We would all turn Jesus away. None of us would follow him on our own. This is who Jesus was prophesied to be, Isaiah 53. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus would not be seen as the Messiah, as the Savior, because of some external thing, because of what he he looked like, or because of who accepted him, he looked like everyone else 
and he was rejected or passed over because of that. So Jesus was was like this present, right? There's nothing on the outside that makes it look like something valuable is in here. But what do we know about presents? What's important about a present? It's what's important is what's on the inside, right? So you want to know what's on the inside. Of course, what was on the outside? See, now I'm building tension here, right? What was on the outside wasn't insignificant. There was a reason that Jesus came the way that he did. He, he, it says in Hebrews 2.17, Jesus had to become like his brothers in every respect so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation, to make atonement for the sins of the people. Hebrews said he had to come like this. He couldn't come as some sort of deity or God on earth in in the way that we might expect. He had to be humble in this way so that he could become our atoning sacrifice. Philippians 2 tells us that the humility of who he was and how he was born and lived and died, all of that has led him to being the Savior that we need. In fact, if we would reject him, if you want to reject Jesus because of the externals, if you want to reject him because he's a a child, because he's a poor child, because he's a, a poor Jewish child who grew up in Bethlehem, or who was born in Bethlehem and grew up in, in Nazareth, whose family was looked down upon, who was who was worshipped by shepherds and by pagans, who was followed by fishermen, who um, was embraced by the, the lepers and the sinners, who was rejected by the religious. If you want to reject Jesus because of that, then what do you do when he becomes a condemned criminal and is crucified naked on a cross? Do you want to follow him then? Because it, it goes, if we're looking at externals, it goes from bad to worse. He's just a baby in a manger when we start off. At the end, he's a condemned criminal. Everything on the outside of Jesus' entire life, all of the appearances, all of the externals, make us think of Jesus not as, as a savior, not as a guy that we would follow as our king. They make him someone that we would reject, someone that we would run away from. Someone we would walk by on the street. Someone we wouldn't even give the time of day to. We wouldn't even make eye contact with him if we, ha- if we didn't have to. He's a gift that, that we wouldn't even bother opening. Just imagine that. All these gifts underneath the tree and you just say, you know what, that, it's not even worth the time to unwrap it. I'm not going to mess with it. And yet, the whole world, in some way, shape, or form, celebrates the birth of Jesus today. Because it was when Jesus spoke, it was when he, he opened his mouth and spoke of the kingdom of God that people started to see who he was. And every external reason that people had for rejected him faded away. You remember Nathaniel? He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then what does Jesus do? He says, I saw you long before you saw me. And what does, what does Nathaniel then do? He says, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ because Jesus opens his mouth. His accusers send people to arrest him. And they show up. They're ready to arrest Jesus. And they come back without Jesus. Why? They tell the people that had sent them, nobody ever talked like this guy. I mean, nobody says things like him. He's speaking with authority. Unlike all of the religious leaders of that day, he's, he's, there's something special about him. That's not to say that what he said was easy to hear or received, but 
He called, he called for hard things. He called for repentance. He said, the judgment of God will come unless you turn from your sins and trust in me. But he also spoke of grace and he spoke of, of love and salvation for those who would believe. Not just his birth, but his death speaks. He dies for our sins. He pays for all of our failures. He offers us forgiveness if we would put our faith in him. If we would trust that Jesus has paid the penalty for our sins. If we would trust that he has risen to give us new life. That the baby in the manger becomes the Savior who dies on a cross, is buried for three days, rises again, is exalted to the right hand of the Father, and is coming again to set up his kingdom here on earth. He can do all of that because of no matter who he was on the outside, he was, he was truly God. The gift of grace that Jesus has become is, is, is not because of anything on the outside, because we reject him because of the outside, but, but it's, it's something about who he is on the inside. It, Jesus is like this box is to you now. What's in there, right? You want to know what's in here, because... It looks shabby on the outside, but there's got to be something great in here, right? I keep talking about it and holding it up. So, what would you put in a box to represent the Son of God? <laughs> that was the task that I had this week. The illustration only goes so far. So, there is something in here. What else do you put in a box on Christmas Day except for chocolate, right? <laughs> And so there's something valuable in here. I mean, all of us would want this, especially given last week's um, uh, White Elephant Gift Exchange. I mean, this would have been the top gift, right? There's, there's Ghirardelli chocolates in here and, and uh, Lindor, what do you call these again? Truffles, yes, and even some candy canes. So I'll put it up here, and when we're all done, everyone can have one, or, or two or three or something. <laughs> but having said all that, here, here's my hope. My hope is that, as we think about what, what Christmas really means, um, that we would not only reflect on this miracle, the, the miracle is of who Jesus is, that he is God in the flesh. But, but let's also reflect on the grace shown to us that we are all here because we actually believe that. That, that is a miracle as well, that your eyes, that my eyes have been opened to see that. Not to be blinded by everything on the outside of who Jesus is. Because we have every reason in the world to reject him. And say there's no reason to accept him as the Savior. But instead we believe. What do we, we believe he's actually the Son of God. We believe that he is the Messiah. That he's the Savior of the world. That he's, that he's the King of Kings. That he's the Lord of Lords. The, the one who, who was from eternity past. The one who is now. And the one who is coming again. We believe that. And if you believe it, it's not because you're smart. It's not because you're special. It's not because of anything unique in and of yourself. It's because God in his grace has opened your eyes to see it. So I would say this, if you have received Christ, if you understand who he is, if your eyes have been opened to the miracle of who Jesus is as the Savior of the world, then we should give thanks. The opposite, I think the, the, the exact opposite Emotion of Christmas would be pride. Pride is, is so far from what Christmas really means and who Jesus really was. The, but humility and worship of who Christ is, that, doesn't that make the most sense in the world? I think that makes the most sense. So if you have received Christ, I pray that you would be humbled and worship. If not, if your eyes have not been opened, and maybe the Lord is awakening you now to see who he really is, 
What better day in the world to receive Jesus as Savior than Christmas Day, the day that he came? I'd encourage you to talk to, to me afterwards. It's not because of anything else. This is what John says, that a light has shone in the darkness, into the darkness of our hearts, and it's awakened faith in Christ, giving us ears to hear and, and eyes to see, and making us children of God. This is what John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, for the miracle of your love sent to us in your only Son as a human and as God to save us. And God, we thank you this morning for the miracle that we see him for who he really is. That We have not been blinded by our own pride or by all the external reasons to reject him, but we have seen him, Lord. And if we have received him, it's because you have done it. Lord, we're not born of our own flesh. We're not born of our own will. We are born of you, of God. But you have given us new birth. I pray that you would, for those of us who, whose eyes have been opened, that you would open them afresh to who you are. And for those who have not, Lord, that you would open them even for the first time to see the beauty of Christ. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.